Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag and the, our partners at BetOnline. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. And you can find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures at BetOnline. And don't forget that MLB is back. Who are you picking to win the World Series, Chicago fans? Might it be those White Sox? The only way to find out is to continue to use BetOnline as your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker game. So what are you waiting for? It's super easy to get started. Head to the website or go on your mobile device right now and sign up. Use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Only at BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. It's It's basketball season. It's the NBA playoffs right around the corner. And it is the Chicago Bulls in the playoffs for the first time in eight years. The Bulls, they're here. There's deer. Will they win a game? We're going to find out. Let's bring in our hoops honchos to talk about it. And maybe a little bit general NBA too as well. Let's first let's bring him back. He's the man in the middle. It's Aaron Hagel. What's up, Aaron? Hi, Joey. Are you ready for the playoffs? Because I am. <laughs> I, I am ready. I, I, I don't know if I was as excited as I was maybe about two months ago, but I am very excited. And I think once the ball goes up in the air, we're going to get full-throated and deep into it as best as we can. Uh, coming up next also as well, he's the man in the corner. He's wide open for three. It's Mike Choi. What's up, Mike? And I clank it. Um, <laughs> no no surprise. I've got a lot of hot takes on this, so I'm, I'm ready to get into it, Joey. I am ready. Yeah, let's dive right in. Let's start with before we uh, before we preview Bulls-Bucks, it's going to kick off on Sunday. You know, let's just talk about a little bit what's happened to the Chicago Bulls team. Aaron, if you would like to go first, I'm going to preface it like this. You know, when we were on the pod not too long ago, the record wasn't exactly the same. But, and very rightfully so, we had all the reason in the world to talk about how deep could this Bulls team go in the playoffs. They were 26-10 and 10 at one point in the season. Since then, they've gone 20-26. and 26. We can talk all we want about injuries, but let's be real. Some of the guys have come back, and you just can't get around the fact that they're, what, 0-18, 0-19 versus top three seeds in the East and West. They can't beat good teams. So, Hagel... Let's just start off with you right now. From where we've come to where we are now, excitement levels, playoffs, besides injuries, what is it that disappointed you the most about this Bulls team in the second half? Um, I'm, I'm going to actually flip it a little bit, Joey, because I, I don't think I'm in that same category as thinking it's been a disaster. Yes, the second half hasn't been as good as the first half. However, I just keep on going back to the fact that we're going to playoffs. Just the fact that we're back, like, I'm excited. I think Bulls fans should be excited. We're not going to win the championship, guys. We're not. I mean, this, especially now, the East is stacked. So the fact that we're in, I'm pumped, man. We're the sixth seed. Yes, we've slid, but I never thought we were we were that good to begin with. And I think I said before the season started, I thought we'd be an eight through 10 seed. And the fact that we're a sixth seed, I will take it. Now, with that being said, we absolutely blow against good teams. And that is a recipe for disaster in the playoffs. And that's what's been so confusing for me personally is this whole concept of we came into the offseason and we didn't know what to expect. We signed DeMar DeRozan. We got Lonzo Ball. We got Alex Caruso. We said, hey, this team could actually be pretty good. And as you mentioned on the preview pod for this season, you said, hey, 8-10 to 10 seed. I'm banking on that. Well, they came out like gangbusters were a one seed, got to 26-10, and, and now all of a sudden we're on a completely different narrative trajectory, right? 
and then injuries happen, all these different things, and then obviously just the the quality of play has gone down. It's been going down for months now. Maybe they've come back a little bit closer to that team that you thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, Hagel. So it's just been kind of a weird gear-shifting type regular season for them so far. So it's hard to kind of wrap your heads around this team. You know, are we playing with house money? Absolutely. Um, but do we have any momentum heading into the playoffs? I don't think so. Choi, hop in on this one. You know, where are you with this Bulls team? Are you are you disappointed after a 26-10 and 10 start to be where we are now? Or is it a little bit more of where you're up with Hagel? This is kind of more of the rationale that we kind of saw heading into the season. Aaron is 100% right. If you're an astute sports fan, an astute basketball fan, and not a homer, this season has been ecstatic. 46 and 36. In two seasons, the Eversley, Arturis, Donovan regime has completely changed the culture around. Completely. So, in my mind, it's, I mean, it's human nature, but you have fans that just get greedy. They already forget that, like, we were a laughing stock just two seasons ago, you know, culminating into like, yeah, they were getting booed against that Charlotte game. Cause yeah, they got, they got whomped, you know, in that Charlotte game, but overall this season has been an outstanding success. And to think that like after just one season, now we can be like this championship caliber team that, that, that's, that's kind of a false narrative. That's kind of a false expectation to Aaron's point. We made the playoffs to Aaron's point. You know, we, we, we were even better than like, you know, we kind of thought like, Hey, if we can make it into this playoff, um, you know, this play in bracket, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. So we're much better than that. So I think we have to temper expectations. And then kind of like we spoke about in the previous pod, for me, you know, is what can we do this season to establish ourselves as a, a legitimate organization? And I think we kind of spoke about it. My, my eggs are in next season's baskets, because that's the thing, you need to establish a foundation, you need to establish like, hey, we're a good team. We can do things now. And once you have that mentality, then you can build upon that. But, but we had nothing to build upon until this season. So now we can make the next step next season, which is a discussion for later on. But, you know, um, they're everything that we could have hoped for in, in, in the most realistic sense. They've exceeded everything we could have hoped for for this season. I'm with you guys that I am. I'm we're talking about Bulls basketball. Right. And they're a successful team with some great players to watch. And I think that's a fantastic thing. Right. And Hayes, you're going to hop in in a second here. My slight counter is. I think it's also very fair for Bulls fans to be a little disappointed after the way they started the year. And the major one is, you know, we can talk all we want about how great this team is heading in the summer is they're 0 and 19. They did not beat one single good team. They didn't get lucky on a back to back against one single actual quality basketball team around in the league this year, which is kind of tough to swallow just a little bit. And my other one is, I don't want this to be a criticism of Donovan, but I, I do want to mark it as the time of record type of thing. Of This is the second year in a row where a Billy Donovan team, now these are drastically different, right? But if we go back to last year, you guys watched all the games. There was a time when the Bulls were, I want to say, I think they were like 19 and 22, somewhere around there, which isn't a great record. But you remember they were they were running really tight offensively. Thad Young was in there like on that little like handoff on the screen roll pass, and like they had a lot of motion and movement. And for half of the season, really kind of clicked. And they were, a, they were a glued unit. And I saw that in the first half of this season. And then in the second half, it fell off. Again, this year as well, like defensive discipline. I know guys are moving in and out of the lineup. But again, it just sort of seems like the philosophies don't really last throughout a 70, 80 game season. You know, and again, Mike, to your point, this might not even be the real team, right? Because I think this summer they might make some more serious moves again. 
go up another level and then see where we're at. But I think it is fair to be a little disappointed with how far they've come in midseason and then now to kind of where we are stumbling into the playoffs. I think it is a little fair, but I'm happy to watch them and cheer them on and hopefully they win a game. Hags, hop in. Yeah, well, a couple of things with that, though, beginning of the season, you know, COVID was still hitting the NBA pretty hard. So every team had some kind of guys out. So we caught these teams when they might have had some COVID, you know, guys out for COVID or whatever the case may be. And it seems like the second half COVID wasn't as predominant. So more of the teams were healthy, um, including us, I guess, you know, non-COVID, I guess. Um, but I think that's part of it, right? There was a lot of teams devastated by COVID. Also, too, like kind of to Choi's point, I, I've always looked at this year as a transition year. Like, like Choi was saying, next year is the team that we can judge, but not this team. Why? We got the Rosen. Big question mark at the beginning of the season was, is, it, is this guy worth it? I think Bulls fans will say, yes, he's had a career year. He's been better than we thought he could be. Uh, big question, is, is DeMar and Levine going to fit together? Because it's kind of Levine's team. And they love each other. And they, they've been playing well together. So that's like a huge development. We got Caruso, new guy. We got a new point guard in Lonzo. And then now we finally got Bucha a year under his belt. So, And then Patrick Williams is out all year. He's supposed to be our other starter, our Kawhi-type lockdown guy. He didn't play all year. So to me, this is a transition year, even though we played better at the beginning of the year. Transition year. Next year is the team that you can judge, and I, will, I think we'll all be critical of. Well, I don't know if you want to segue into kind of these things that we're going to talk about in terms of why maybe the second half wasn't uh, as successful as the first half. But I mean, in, in terms of that, I mean, you, you, you said a couple of things, Joey, which I totally agree with. We did not click because to Aaron's point, we didn't have P. Will for the basically the entire season until these last couple of weeks of the season. You know, obviously, unfortunately, Lonzo, we always kind of were worried about this guy who is always, you know, labeled injury prone. And unfortunately, it came up again. Lonzo hasn't played. Caruso's missed big stretches. You know, Zach, even Zach has kind of had that lingering knee that even though he's played through it. He's had, he's he's had, had the thumb. He's had the yeah. knee. He's had the back. I don't think he's been at over 90 percent. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, and, and, and you kind of alluded to it, Joey, like it's, you know, when you're talking about players coming in and off the bench to kind of fulfill these roles, it's, it's kind of a little bit of attrition because then you guys got like guys like. Io, who is starting, or at the very least, the sixth man, who should have been like the ninth man of the rotation mm -hmm. in a healthy team. So it's like it's this battle of attrition where your bench gets diluted because those core bench guys then have to move into the starting lineup or six man role. Um, I will say, and, and to be honest, I haven't really heard of anything behind the scenes in regards to Tristan Thompson, but you know, specifically since the All Star break. They've been like, I, I think it was like eight and 18 or something like that are close to that since they signed Tristan Thompson. And, you know, I don't know if you guys recall, but my biggest thing about Tristan Thompson was I don't care what he does in the court in terms of providing a big body, providing extra fouls. It was like, how does that affect the dynamic? And, you know, he does have some baggage to him. So, again, I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you guys have heard anything, how he is in the locker room, but it just like it's it, you know, it kind of coincided with the tail, this dovetail that they've had. And then finally, you know, we talk about tomorrow and Aaron, Aaron nailed it. Like he's had a career season, but there was definitely a stretch, right? Like right before that all-star break, probably about three week period where, I mean, he was hitting last second game winning shots, almost 35, like every a, other game. Yeah, 35 a game. And let's be honest, that was never going to be sustainable. That was never going to be sustainable. So the mm -hmm. fact that he did that for the stretch, for that stretch that he did and the team kind of elevated because of that stretch that was never going to be sustainable. And so because of that, I think that unfortunately 
kind of increased our perception of what this team was as opposed to what they truly are. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And and what's so funny is we've had to rely on different players at different times to do different things that, as you're pointing out, Mike, might not have been realistic, right? Where I think a lot of people are giving Vucevic his hard time this season where I think he's been – I think yeah, he's I got a rant on I mean, that one. Yeah, you know, you're coming. It's coming yeah. up. Uh, it's coming up. But, no, his three-point numbers have been down. He's had some tough shooting nights for sure. But, honestly, a big man that shoots a three like that and then can get buckets in the paint, I think it's been a plus. Like you said, we had to start Io for multiple weeks, and he played great. But guess what? He's a rookie. And, eventually, he fell off the map. Kobe White, I got some numbers for Kobe White when we start breaking down the Bucks series about how when he came back from his injury, shooting the ball really great. That's come back to earth too as well. Some things that just weren't sustainable. I think the Bulls were probably leaning on more than they wanted to. And then when you did have something that you could lean on, like Alonzo or a Caruso, those guys get hurt for multiple weeks at a time. It really starts kind of testing you a little bit. And then all of a sudden, Derek Jones Jr. is in and out of the lineup. You know, Javante Green, maybe we're expecting consistency from Javante Green. I think that was asking too much. So, yeah, I mean, I think things just got kind of – things got really difficult, and maybe that's what really shows up on those nights when they play quality basketball teams. Hey, hop in. Yeah, I mean, who's the one guy that we had when we were tearing it up and is now out for the season, and we're not tearing it up? Lonzo Ball, man. I told you guys, this guy is the engine of the Bulls team. Jason Kidd pushing the ball, steals. He's been labeled as a bad shooter. He's been hitting his three-point shots. So, to me, if you want to signal out one player – um, that has, you know, affected the Bulls the most by not being there. It's Lonzo to me, and it's not even close, man. I really think they're missing him because he makes them go, go, go. Yeah, and we were blowing teams out with him on the floor. How fun was it watching our transition yes. basketball with Lonzo out there? How fun was it when they were running the stats all of a sudden where every Chicago Bulls fan all of a sudden knew something about pass deflections in the league, right? Like that perimeter defense that Caruso and Ball had, the reason why Vucevic, they thought they could probably get away with it, and maybe they didn't go out and get that power forward after I got P-Will got hurt, was because the perimeter D was so good that the guys weren't even getting that close, right? And that's how it was all kind of working on a string a little bit. And and it's just funny. It's going to be – we're going to look back on it. It's definitely going to be a star-crossed season for sure. And unfortunately, I wish I could say that we learned a lot about this team. But I don't know – I don't know if we learned a lot about this Chicago Bulls team this year because of all the different mixing, matching, and all the different things that kind of went into it. I mean, I think we can ask ourselves a legitimate question probably about each and every single player from DeMar DeRozan. Can he keep up this pace? to Zach Levine when he's fully healthy is he the a1 you know alpha dog on this team is he better than what he's been in the past because obviously his scoring is down a little bit this year you know all the way down to Vucevic a little bit and there are legitimate questions to ask Choi go ahead well you know to that point Aaron I totally agree with you but the question I have for you guys in regards to Alonzo here's a guy in five seasons in the league who's only played more than 55 games once in his career and that was only 63 games. So unfortunately, again, this isn't just like a fluke. This is a thing now. He is an injury-prone guy. And until he plays 72-plus games a season, he's going to be an injury-prone guy. So to that point, I 100% agree. Lonzo was the engine that when, when we were really clicking offensively, it was with him running the point, right? But if you know you can only get 50-ish games from him in a year, uh, I guess, I guess, basically, my question to you is: Is that value of him worth fifty games a year, in your in your guys' opinion? If that's all he's going to give you, well, and I'll and I'll illustrate that. And Higgs, I want you to answer this, um, and I'll add to that a little bit by saying, 
I'm sort of asking myself right now, you know, I don't want to, we're not going to do the summer pod today about what the Bulls are going to do this summer, but I'll just sort of tease it a little bit by saying if they are going to make a huge move out there, I think Lonzo's in that deal. And the only reason why I say that is not because of the talented player that he is on the court is the questions that you just raised, Mike. And everyone's always going to buy in on that insane talent. But can you get that insane talent for 75% of the season? And that's not even asking much, right? I mean, he just – and unfortunately, it's his legs. It's his lower legs. It's some of that stuff that Steph dealt with early on in his career and somehow Steph was able to change his body and the way that he ran and was able to stay healthy. Can Lonzo do that? I have questions. Um, Hags, Hags, hop in on this uh, Lonzo ball here. Yeah, no, no. I, I totally hear what you guys are saying. Uh, he is injury prone. Um, I'll, I'll take him though, man. I don't know. I mean, what are you going to do? Know. Steph, Steph Curry, like you said, he was injury prone for years and fancy basketball. I stayed away from him and then yeah. he came back and he just tore it up, you know? So I don't know if it was a back injury, I would be a little bit more hesitant because once you have a back injury, it's hard to like get rid of that. Um, as far as the lower body, like you said, hopefully he can just change up maybe the way he's walking or whatever he's doing to try to fix that. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's very similar to what the White Sox just dealt with Carlos Rodon last year. A dude with all the talent in the world, but can you really trust him to to not get injured, to stay healthy, to stay on the field? And that's going to be a question that the Bulls are going to have heading in the summer. But we got a game. We got a series coming up this weekend uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks, baby. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Defending champs. No big deal. Um, if you go back and look, uh, you know, the Bulls played the Bucks tough the first two games of the year this year. The last two of them kind of laughers a little bit. And, you know, Chris Middleton was not in one game. We were down some guys in a different game. Caruso got knocked out because of Grayson Allen on this different one. So let's just start it here and maybe work our way. Start at the top and work our way back down. Can the Chicago Bulls win a game in this series? Because everyone's calling sweep right now. And if you think they can win a game, can they make this series interesting? Listen, if we are, again, not looking this at this series from a homer perspective, they're going to lose the series. So we should expect that, um, that they lose the series. So in my opinion, and I know we kind of shared this in the text, I will be ecstatic if they take two games away from Milwaukee. I, I think that's like a major victory if they can get two games from Milwaukee in this series, if they uh, lose into the series. You know, when we talk about some positives, I, there, there aren't in my opinion, unfortunately, too many. Um, I will say this. If we are able to somehow steal a game in Milwaukee, the crazy thing I didn't realize is that, do you guys realize that the Bulls have one of the best uh, records in the NBA in terms of home records? So they're 27 and 14, uh, which is like top eight in terms of home records. So if we steal a game from Milwaukee, maybe there's a chance just because we, you know, at least this season have such a dominant presence in the UC um, but other than that, man, I mean, again, Joey, you nailed it. Milwaukee's the defending champion. You know, I know it kind of seems like a small move, but they got Brooke Lopez back. So, again, we deal with size issues. And so now they're just adding another big man to their rotation. Um, you know, we, you know, I know you mentioned that we played well for two games, but we were still 0-4 against Milwaukee during the season. So, I don't know. Uh, the only thing I can think of is maybe we can use some of that Grayson Allen juice to kind of pump up the Bulls as some kind of like, hey, let's fuck these guys up kind of situation. But yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't look well. But again, that's I, I don't I, I wasn't expecting them to win the series. So, yeah, Higgs, hop in on this, man. Uh, let me rephrase it to you like this. You know, if the Chicago Bulls are going to win a game or two in this series, wh what's it going to take? Is, is it a player? Is it a part of the game? What, what's it going to take, Higgs, for them to get that done? I don't know, man. 
Uh, I don't know. I got, I, I, we'll, I, we'll talk about it a little bit, but uh, I got the Bucks one of the whole thing, defending champs. You got the Greek freak. I mean, nobody can stop the Greek freak as it is. There's sure as shit, nobody in the Bulls that's going to get anywhere near stopping him down low. There's no way. Are they, are they going to get swept? Is that what you're saying? Are you thinking? I, the I think they're going to get swept. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, without Lonzo, we just got P. Will back, which is cool. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Drew Holiday is one of my favorite players in the NBA. That guy is just super solid, great on D. Chris Middleton's an all-star. That guy can jack shots all day long. They got Crazy Eyes Killer, Bobby Portis, who Bulls let go years ago. Grayson Allen, now the most hated person uh, for the Bulls, um, which is a fun new little rivalry to boo him every single time he gets the ball. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I would love if they took one game, but once again, I'm pumped during the playoffs. However, I do think out of all the first round matchups, we got screwed the most because for a while it was looking like we were going to play the Raptors who I don't know if we'll beat, but we could probably take the like seven games for a while. It was looking like the 76ers again. I don't think we could beat them, but we might be able to steal one or two and just the way everything else worked out, the bucks kind of slipped a little bit. And now we're playing the bucks in the first round. The spread for the game on Sunday is 10 for the bucks which is the biggest spread out of all the first-round matchups until mm. the playing games are decided. But of all the ones that are decided so far, we're by far the, the biggest losers, man. Bucks by 10. Everybody else is like five and a half or six. Well, let's play the game. Let's sort of – let's fantasize a little bit about how, how we're going to get it done, right? Because, you know, you, you got, you're bringing up some great points about the home record. And I think that game three right there, you know, if we're not going to get swept, that game three is probably a must win for the Chicago Bulls. The first playoff game at the UC in over eight years is going to be a great crowd. It's going to be a great night. Bulls play well at home. They could probably steal a game there. I think probably maybe the key is to somehow keep these games close in the first two. Try not to get your doors blown off. You can get your doors blown off in game one, but game two, you got to at least keep it competitive. And if you can keep it competitive in both games, you know, then you really got something cooking here. I'm going to read some stuff off to you. Per the four games of the Bulls and Bucks. One of the main storylines is shooting. Both teams, poor shooting in all four games. The Chicago Bulls against the Milwaukee Bucks this year, 39 for 130 from the three-point line. That's a 30% clip. They shot 42.9% from the field in those four particular games. And I'm looking at guys that, you know, who's it going to be to get hot in that shooting category? A guy like Kobe White. Four games versus Milwaukee, Kobe White, 11 for 40, 27.5% from the field, 5 for 26 from three at a 19% clip right there. I mean, look, like, and this is and this is the thing, is that he had a 33-game stretch where he was shooting 43% from three, and then his last 19 games, it's gone down to 34%, right? We need these guys to step up and hit those threes. And, Troy, if you want to hop in and, and put out a little something, on, a little stank on your boy Vucevic for a second, because this is a guy – who the only the only knock that I could really find out of him that he just straight up needs to be better at 29.8% from three at home. You can't have that. You know I mean? Honestly, like that's just, we're getting down to like Russell Westbrook numbers at that point too, as well. So yeah, Troy hop in. What, what else is it going to take? Like other than obviously Giannis getting injured or putting four fouls in his ass in the first quarter, you know what I mean? Let's hypothesize about how maybe the bulls can hang around in this one. Well, to elaborate on the shooting, I actually, you know, it's surprising because you think of Giannis, who's just dominant inside. You think of Chris Middleton, who's like mid-range game is like elite, right? But actually the Bucks, they're the fifth uh, best team in the league, three-point shooting percentage, and like six in terms of volume. So actually I'll say one of the keys is if they're off shooting, 
Because the yeah. fact that they take so many three-point shots, like that, that astounded me when I did the research. I did not think the Bucks were in the top eight for both percentage and volume. And conversely, the other thing that was surprising to me, did you guys know that the Bulls have the fourth best three-point shooting percentage of the league? I did not know that, but they're the worst in terms of volume. So when I think about that, is it because, I don't know, it's like the chicken or the egg. Is it because they take so few threes that their percentage is going to be higher? Or in my opinion, then if they are actually from a percentage standpoint that good why aren't we shooting more threes i mean i know it seems kind of counterintuitive with the with the with the shooters that we have on the team but again if they're the fourth best team three-point percentage shooting team in the nba why wouldn't you shoot more threes instead of being is the it, dead last in volume yeah is, is it fair to say that just mostly derozan's usage rate so if you've got a guy shooting 16 to 18 shots a night and he's only probably maybe one or two of them are three-pointers out of the what the 60 70 shot you know what i mean that automatically just kind of brings you back down it probably doesn't yeah. bring you down to the bottom of the league Choi, uh, i'm with you on that but it's got to your point factor into that a little bit it's sample size right so either when you have a low sample size either it's going to be extraordinary or it's going to be horrible so it's sample size and the fact that since it's so low in volume that they're fourth in the league which is which is crazy when i saw them like why aren't we shooting more threes if, if our percentage is that good um but uh yeah I, so that that to me is actually if the Bucks have a letdown in their three-point shooting, that actually might be a pivotal thing, actually, surprisingly. Because I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I think Hagel follows them a little bit closer than I do. I do not think of the Bucks as a three-point shooting team, but they, they 100% are. Yeah, well, they always have those, the Pat Connaughton's of the world. And obviously, they got some guys that they want to be able to kick the ball to with Giannis and shoot some threes. You know, what Kyle Korver has been on the team, too, as well in the past. I'm kind of looking at these matchups a little bit. I know a lot of people are thinking, how are we going to stop Giannis? And I don't think we are going to stop Giannis. But, Higgs, hop in on this one. I'm really curious about Drew Holiday versus DeMar DeRozan. Like Drew Holiday is known as a really good perimeter defender. Obviously, DeRozan's going to have to score. We're going to get into some of his playoff problems in just a second here. But I'm looking at that matchup right there, too, as well, where, like, you're not going to stop Giannis. Middleton's probably going to do his thing a little bit, but what if you take out Holiday? Or what if you just win or just bludgeon that matchup of DeRozan versus Holiday, whose Holiday is known as a good defender too as well? Maybe that's another way into as well to maybe give the Bulls just, I don't know, I don't want to say advantage, but maybe give them another inroad to possibly make this competitive. Yeah, I mean, Drew Holiday, like I said, I, I like him a lot. I've had him on my fantasy basketball teams. Um, offensively, he's not like the greatest guy ever. He can score. But he's more of like a floor general. So if you can kind of take him out a little bit or defend him or, or whatnot, or have him or get him tired out trying to defend DeRozan or whoever, yeah. or Levine, have him running around, um, that would definitely help because the Bucks, their bench isn't super deep, actually. Um, they got Serge Ibaka, who's a little bit older. Um, I'm not like super afraid of him anymore. So, Serge Ibaka versus Tristan Thompson is just going to be two yeah. <laughs> like, old, two old sacks of laundry pounding against each other in the post. It's going to be great. Yeah. So if if we can kind of tire out Drew Holiday a bit, um, that might help. But once again, man, I just kind of keep on going back to uh, Giannis. It's it's so hard to stop that guy. And even if you let him get his, like you said, Middleton's that guy can shoot all day long. And then you got all these other three point shooters around him. who can kind of do it. And Brooke Lopez, a big man who can shoot threes as well, kind of pulling uh, maybe Vucevic out or whatever, but um, yeah, it's going to be tough, man. 
we all know that DeMar DeRozan is going to do his, right? And he's going to score and he's going to produce. We all know DeMar DeRozan is going to be able to score in this playoff series. But, Mike, let me ask you, who needs to have a bigger series to make this competitive versus the Bucks, Zach Levine or Nikola Vucevic? Well, I mean, we can kind of segue into the Vucevic conversation because it's Vucevic because he's he's your third option um, on this team. But I will say real quickly, I think another key is, and I know I'm probably feel the most strongly about this, but you can definitely see times and sometimes it's definitely warranted where, uh, you know, DeMar plays a little bit of hero ball. And when he plays a little bit of hero ball, everybody else kind of stands and watch. It's kind of like Michael Jordan syndrome. So I think DeMar... Again, it's it's a subtle line where like there's times where obviously you need that guy to take charge, right? You need the guy to get that bucket when you need the bucket. So that subtle line and knowing when to do that and knowing when to kind of get into a team concept in terms of offense, right? Because there are definitely times in my opinion where I'm just like, he's just going to take every shot. He's not even looking to do anything but take the shot. And so he's got to kind of get out of that mentality. Um, but now I'm ready for my Vooch rant, okay? Because <laughs> here's the thing. Me and Aaron have a dear friend that we value his opinion greatly. He texts us in the morning and kind of saying like, you know, uh, Vucevic, he doesn't play defense, blah, blah, blah. I don't know about why we ever got him. Here's the thing. Vucevic has never, ever, ever been known as a defensive player. He made his name and recognition off of offense. The reason we got him was for his offense. So it's kind of a false argument whenever he gets slammed for not playing defense, not playing, you know, any of the big guys that can beat and joke it. And, and, and first of all, there are 28 other teams in the league who have a problem playing against the names like Embiid and Jokic. Okay. That, that's <laughs> yeah, who not just stops them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. just not exclusive to the bulls in terms of an issue There's, you know, other than Rudy Gobert, who, you know, is probably like, right. The preeminent defensive center in the league, every other team is going to have issues. So that's even a false argument in my opinion, you know? So there's that thing where like, if we would have got Nikola and he averaged, you know, kind of like Kevin Love syndrome where he kind of came to the bowls and then averaged, let's say 12 points, five rebounds and assists, then you'd be like, that was not a valuable trade, but let me put this right out there. I know sometimes stats are a kind of thing. Well, well, we'll value to put stats, but if we're to look at the stat side of things, he averaged 18, 11 and three as the third option on this team. I think that's outstanding for the third option. I mean, I was just looking at, you know, like who is a better third option in the league? You know, Aaron mentioned Drew Holiday. He's obviously a name up there. You know, I, I dare I say Russell Westbrook. I, you know, I know that he's got his whole baggage, but there's only a handful of third options that you would rather have on your team than Nikola Vucevic. You know, I know like Jordan Poole these last couple of weeks. Oh my God, like Jordan Poole might be an all-star in the, you know, in the making there, but it's like, if Nikola Vucevic came to the Bulls and was averaging 25 points a game on this roster, something definitely went wrong. So the fact that he did 18-11 on this team as a third option, I think he's well been worth, you know, the trade. And again, maybe that's a piece for later moves later on. But again, it's it's a false argument when he continues to get slammed for like, oh, he wasn't worth it because he plays no D against the big name centers. Yeah, and I, I also think it's a fair to he is the third option and that's not the easiest thing in the world. Can the guy probably hit a couple more top of the key threes when he's wide open in games? Of course, we've all seen him like he's wide open and he can't knock him down. He's had some tough shooting nights for sure, but yeah, pull up Chris Bosch's numbers. I'm sure they're not dissimilar from what Nikola Vucevic offensively has been able to produce so far this year. Higgs, hop in. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, but Eversley and Arturis last year, Got Daniel Tice for a rental for some reason. We love Tice, and he was great down low, but he was only a rental. He gone. 
We had Danny Gafford down low playing D. He gone. Wendell Carter Jr. playing D down low. He gone. And he brings in an offensive center. So what does that tell you? What do they want? They not. They don't give a shit about defense down low. Because if they did, they wouldn't have traded, well, two games and brought in an offensive center. So my question is, isn't this the team that these guys wanted? They're the ones that put the roster together. They knew Vooch is not a big defensive presence. And if they wanted a big defensive presence, they wouldn't have traded away Wendell, no? No, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And I think what they're probably what they were probably thinking was obviously they wanted to get a little bit more athletic on the wings when you're kind of filling the stuff in around all the scores. And I thought that they they probably thought that they could go out and find size at some point, somewhere along the way. And Tristan Thompson turned out to be the buyout guy that they brought in. Bulls fans went nuts for a week. And then obviously he's kind of disappeared and just kind of became the person that he is. And they, yeah, you're right. They prioritized offense. And we said at the beginning of the season, I mean, my my thing, my big thing was just look like the Bulls are going to score 130 and they're going to give up 127 every night. That's what I said at the beginning. Now, look, they came out and they played a lot better and really surprised some people early on. But that's really what this team is. It goes, look, we're going to try and outscore you. It's almost like a Portland Trailblazers kind of thing of like, we're going to score a ton and you're going to score a ton. And we just hope that we score a little bit more than you. Mike, hop back in. Well, also to elaborate on Aaron's point, it, throw, throw out whatever he contributes actually on the court, which I still think is amazing, like I've prefaced before. The fact that we signed or traded for Vucevic just established as an organization to the fans, to the other teams in the league, that we are making moves. We are prepared to try to get the big name guys. So in terms of just, again, I talked about culture in the beginning, you know, it's setting that culture of like, we are going to compete with as big a name as possible on this roster, like any other team. Um, and let's not, I mean, Vucevic is still top tier center in this league. And, you know, he may well, not right. be. A and, and you know, what's interesting about that. If I can interject really quickly, I was thinking about this earlier and this is not a good or bad thing. It's just more of kind of an observation of like, uh, AK and Eversley kind of went out there and was like, you know what? We're going to scour all the shitty teams and we're going to get together a team of shitty team all-stars. I mean, right? Like, I was looking at it today, like trying to, you know, pull up some stats and stuff. And I want to get into the DeRozan playoff stuff in a second. But Vucevic is, doesn't have a lot of playoff experience, if he has any. Zach Levine, this is his first time. Lonzo Ball, who will not be on the team, was on the Pelicans last year. Not a very good team. You know, if you're going to go down the list, like Caruso's got that championship pedigree a little bit. But this whole team, the guys that we're really counting on outside of DeRozan don't really have a lot of playoff experience. So this is something that they're going through for the very first time, too, as well. And I think it's funny that, like, we brought in a bunch of fringe all-stars to be on a team that's really successful, but they themselves have never really been on successful teams before. And I think that that's something, maybe that's a growing pain that Bulls fans, and as we're watching this season go along, maybe don't fully realize, right? Because that's what DeMar DeRozan said. He's like, you know, you know, like early on the season, you know, we we're playing these games, and then when you play some of these other teams, it's like you went from, you know, uh, bio, intro to bio to AP, you know, calculus or whatever. I'm I'm blowing it up. I'm blowing up what he said, but you know, these better teams kind of kick you in the ass and that's what that team's going through a little bit. Well, yeah. And also, you know, again, I keep, I keep saying the word culture. I keep saying like building the culture, but I mean, I know this may be a little bit of conjecture, but does DeMar come if we only have Zach, you know, if he sees like, Oh, you know, we got Wendell Carter jr. We have, you know, Daniel Tice, 
you know, nope. and Zach, does he come? So nope. he sees that like, okay, they just made a trade. You know, they have Zach, they just made a trade of Vucevic. You know, they've got some pieces now. Then does that, it makes it more attractive. So who knows, who knows if he would have come or not, but I firmly believe that it definitely made it more enticing that they had a couple of big names on the roster as opposed to if they didn't have Vucevic. Hey, cause I want to ask you for this uh, bulls Bucks series coming up. Obviously we got the DeRozan situation, but with DeRozan, We've seen in the playoffs him struggle before. You know, if you pull up his playoff splits, 58 playoff games, shooting 41% from the field, 23% from three, 85% from three-point range, as opposed to 46.5%, 29%, and 84% during his regular season career. He has shot, so 58 playoff games. DeMar DeRozan has shot less than 30% in a playoff game 12 times. So if you play a seven-game series, there is a very strong chance, just based on his past record, he's had a great season, maybe he's turned the corner, but there's a strong chance that he will post a 2-for-15 at some point in this series. It just might possibly happen. So my question for you is, Zach Levine or Vucevic, who needs to have a bigger series? Who needs to perhaps maybe step up and dominate in a way that we haven't seen the past couple months if the Bulls are going to have a shot at this thing? I, th I think it's Levine because Vooch is going to have his hands full down low. He's going to have a hard time. He's got Brick Lopez, Bobby Portis, uh, the freak if he's down low. But Levine is an attacker. So if his if he can get to the basket, you know, either taking it to the hole or kicking it out, he can hit the three. Uh, and I think they're going to put the clamps down a little bit on DeMar, which is going to leave Levine open. So I think out of the three, he has the best shot to – step up and he needs to this is his first playoff appearance ever so i'm guessing you know first game is gonna probably have some butterflies so who knows what's gonna happen but this is the time right you either step up or you don't so now we're gonna see what this guy's made of he's been great uh i think he's been better than i thought he was gonna be in the bulls and let's see what we got now right you're gonna you want to be the man and he is the man, him and DeMar now. I think that's been a nice thing for Zach, actually, having DeMar there where he doesn't have to feel like he has to do everything. But this is his chance to shine. So let's see what happens. I hope he steps up. I think he will. I think he will. Yeah, Mike, weigh in on this. I mean, Zach Levine, all season long, he's been banged up, still banged up, getting a full week off to maybe rest that knee, so maybe he's a little bit better. But just as Hagel just said, this guy is playing in his first playoff series, and he's about to be on the precipice of perhaps signing a max contract. So what do you expect from Zach Levine in this series versus the Bucks? Well, again, you know, I, for me, I think it's a question of, okay, if DeMar does what, he, what we expect him to do, if Zach does what we expect him to do, then, you know, we're talking about guys who are averaging 25-plus points a game in this series. So don't get me wrong. They're 100% important. Zach is 100% important, but it's just like, you know, you know, Giannis is going to do what he needs to do. So unless he has an off game, it's kind of that thing where like, I'm throwing him out of the equation. So for me, again, I'm throwing DeMar out of the equation. I'm throwing Zach out of the equation because if they do what we expect them to do, then they are going to produce. So it is guys like Vucevic, it is guys like, you know, you know, maybe green. I don't know. Like it's I was like, going to say Kobe White. Kobe yeah. White needs to hit the three yeah. when he gets that opportunity. We're, we're underselling how important that is for him to hit those shots when they're open in those playoff games. How many times do you see 
a wide open kick to maybe, you know, that fourth or fifth guy shoots that three, misses it. Other yeah. end, they score, and you're like, shit, that's a five-point turnaround right there. I mean, basically, we have to click as an entire team to do well against the Bucks. There's no hero ball. And to your point, I think the reason DeMar does have kind of like a poor playoff showing is because of the fact, especially during the playoffs. I don't know how well he did uh, in San Antonio. Did they? I don't know if they – did they make the playoffs when he was there in San Antonio? But at So least... he did. They, they made the playoffs in okay. 2019. He did. He he played fairly well. He had a couple yeah. of games. Now look, I, I I mentioned all the bad shooting nights. Demar has plenty of nights where he scores 25, 30, 35 points. Yeah. Plays fantastic. The only problem is he will match that with a six for nineteen, or you know, in even worse cases, there's yeah. a three for fourteen, three for fifteen there on his mark. He did play a little bit better with the Spurs, but I do believe that he had one game where he shot. 33% from the field. So it's just, but again, it's just I, out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's indicative of the fact, like I kind of mentioned earlier, which again, I'm sorry for sounding like a broken record, but when he gets into hero ball mode, he's forcing up shots. And so you do that even more so in the playoffs when you think like, I'm the guy that has to take those shots. Right. So I think that kind of builds into itself. So again, just a little bit more team ball from DeMar. Zach played to the level that we know we can play at. And then again, it's a total team effort. If, if we even have a shot, it's got to be a total team effort because we don't have anybody good enough on this team. And I'm including Zach, I'm including Jamar, who can single-handedly beat a team like Milwaukee. So it's got to be a team effort. Yeah, and something along the lines of like between Io, Caruso, and Kobe White, we need to somehow scratch like 25 to 28 points out of those three guys, right? Because then all of a sudden if you're getting – the 20 is from DeRozan, the 20 is from Levine, and the 15, you know what I mean? Like, now we're kind of, like, in that area, and then you're only picking up 10 to 15 points from the, the big guys, P-Will, Javante Green on you know on a running dunk, stuff, stuff along those lines. You know, look, I, I'm just excited to watch. I hope I get a chance to watch it with you guys, and hopefully they win a couple of games because I, I'm with you guys. Back to our the beginning of our conversation, a game six would be really cool, right? Just the thought of, you know what, if we win this game – it is it is all bets are off for a game seven situation and i think the bulls can at least walk away uh feeling pretty good about themselves as they should uh for taking a huge step this season and then we'll be back with another pod to talk about uh whatever that is they're going to do about the summer because i think something huge might be coming down the pipe we do have to move on real quick to east west i just want to get your guys picks and your main thoughts about the conferences real quick um, I feel like the East is far more interesting right now than the West, so I feel like we will start there. Uh, Higgs, if you'd like to go first, I know you mentioned the Bucks going all the way to the finals, um, but if you can, it, what, what team out there is do you think is probably playing the best that could give them a run for their money or someone that you think is a dark horse candidate? Or if you couldn't pick the Bucks, what is the one team right now out of this a stacked East right now that you think can go deep? All of them, man. This is like a yeah. even though the East is stacked, I would not just, be shocked if the Heat, the Celtics, the 76ers, the Bucks, all, and the Nets. Don't forget the Nuts. Yeah. I would be surprised. I'd be no, I'd be surprised. I'd be a little surprised, right? Well, See, I, I'm not. Here's why, man. They took the Bucks to seven games last year with Durant only. Yeah. If they got Ky to Kyrie's back, and if he's healthy. I'm not a big Kyrie fan, but he's an unreal basketball player, man. His handles are crazy. I mean, he, what do he have a couple weeks ago, 50 or something? 
Cavs uh, were down only six with like four minutes to go last night, though. It wasn't but, like but, they just they throttled them. Michael, like, oh, hop in just real quick. Listen, Joey, though, but I'm 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 Nets are my team because unfortunately, well, first of all, as we know, as a betting podcast, right? We know that Vegas usually is pretty right on the ball, right? So the Nets currently are the third favorite, and so they're at plus six fifty. So I was actually surprised how much of a favorite they are for the title. But they're the third. You know, it's Phoenix first, two plus two sixty, then the Bucks at. Uh, plus 500 and then the nets are the third favorite so i will say this they have the aaron's point they have the best player in the world on their team in kevin durant and regardless regardless of because i hate kyrie irving but regardless of what you think of kyrie irving off the court and all his antics he is one of the best basketball players in the world so if he's healthy if durant's healthy i mean if you have two of the best basketball players in the world on your team and they they do have a pretty decent supporting cast on top of that you know and god i don't know like is 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 ben simmons completely done for the season have you guys heard no. i mean is he or is he is potentially he, so i think he's out for the first round maybe but okay. he was out he's he's definitely was ruled out for the play-in and then it's a whole like we'll see but what yeah. does that even do All right I don't know. who knows who knows how much he contributes or not but obviously that's just one other bullet that they have if they get ben simmons back so i mean i i actually like the books i mean i'm sorry i actually like the nets out of the east wow to wait wow this is crazy because here's my thing is just with the nets is i Look, I love I love Kevin Durant. He was on my fantasy team. Totally made it happen for me this year. Got me got me to that fourth, fifth seed that I get to every single year and then fall <laughs> a little bit short. But but no, look, here's my thing is that if I look at all the other teams out there, you got the Bucks, right, who I think are the odds on favorite to make it back to the finals, in my personal opinion. You look at the Heat, you know, they've dealt with some obviously some uh interpersonal dysfunction, I guess, like on the team recently. But you've got heat culture and you've got crazy depth. They have depth, something that the Nets don't have. You got the 76ers with, you know, the presumptive one, number two MVP perhaps in the East. So we'll see what happens there. And then that Celtics team, who by and large has been the best defensive team in the last couple months, I know those aren't like the sexiest things in the world, like depth and defense, you know what I mean? But those are the types of things that I think maybe bite the Nets in the ass a little bit. And, man, I, I, I'm just really curious. So if I get it correct, so it'd be it'd be Nets Heat in the first round. Is that right, Choi? No, I think it's Net, Nets Celtics, isn't it? Let me take a look right here. So so. It'd be Nets. It'd be Nets I Celtics because think... then they move into the seven because they beat Cavs and go into the seven. Is that how that works? So it's bought. So Boston is number two seed is going to play Brooklyn because Brooklyn. Yeah, that's beat not, yeah so that's what I'm saying, man. Like, and then Miami Celt- will play. Yeah, whoever. Yeah. So the playing. Yeah, but yeah. that first round is Nets Celtics. Like. Celtics have been on fire, man. They were really bad at the beginning of the season. Really, really bad. Like so many people wrote wrote them off, but they've turned the ship around defensively. They've been awesome. They got Derek White from the Spurs in a trade a couple months ago. So it's going to be a tough first round matchup. Like Nets Celtics, I could easily see that going seven easily. Yeah, look, I'm with you. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets beat the Celtics in that first round. I just think I would be surprised if they eventually got past the Heat and they eventually got past the Bucks too as well. And I guess you have to play this game too where like I think, you know, the 76ers were this team that everyone got really excited about when Harden got traded over to them, but that's kind of cooled a little bit. But the point of that is if they get a little bit farther and if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, that means they're playing great basketball and that means Embiid's pretty unstoppable and that kind of sort of makes it an interesting, you know, scenario too as well. And then you perhaps have Ben Simmons playing against the 76ers in the Eastern Conference 
Uh, Choi, so wait, you you have the Nets, you have the Nets going to the finals, and Hagel, you have the you have the Bucks, correct? Yeah, I got Bucks Suns again with Bucks. Yeah, Winning so again. hopping. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, so hopping over to the Western Conference, Hags, uh, who do you have in the West, and does anyone on this panel not have the Suns? Well, the thing is, is like for the first year I can remember in a long time, it seems like the Suns have a fairly easy path to the finals this year. Uh, you got the Nuggets, Warriors, Steph Curry's banged up, Draymond's banged up. They might be back. They're playing against the Nuggets, who Jokic is tearing it up. Uh, no Michael Porter Jr., but I just read this morning that Jamal Murray, their second best player, potentially could be coming back, even though he's been out since last year. However, Believe it when I see it. He was on yeah, my exactly. he's on my so injured what, reserve list for fucking forever. And like they were like, well, he's getting close. Back by the yeah. end of the regular season. You know, that was that came and gone. That came and passed. So I don't I don't know. Totally. So that's why, like, I don't think the Nuggets are going to do it. The Warriors were tearing it up. But like I said, with a little bit of injuries here and there, they're not as strong as they were in the beginning of the year. Uh, bad news for the Mavericks. Luka's got a calf strain, that's which awful. is not good. I mean, granted, it's not like he broke anything or he has surgery. But everything that I've read said that's like a minimum three weeks of rest before he can come back. No Luka. There's no way the Mavs are going to win. The Jazz... We'll see. So far, they are who we thought they were. Um, it seems like they just can't get to that next level. And every year, it, was, it reminds me of Portland a little bit in past years with, with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. It's like they would go to the playoffs, but they couldn't make it to that next level. And every offseason, it's should we split them up? Should we split them up? I mean, they finally did. But it's the same talk in Utah with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. It's well, like there's a lot of there's a lot of Rudy Gobert coming to Chicago rumors too as well, and there's Donovan Mitchell to the New York Knicks rumors too as well. Something oh, to keep an okay. eye on heading into the summer. Yeah, um, I did oh. not hear that, but um, oh, and then the other one too. I was going to say the first round matchup that I think is me super fun to watch: Grizzlies and T Wolves, two of the best <laughs> up and coming teams going against each other in the first round. That to me is going to be super fun. And one more tonight's playing game. I'm really excited to see the Hawks play the Hornets because we got Mr. Trey Young, Ice Trey, going against LaMelo Ball. LaMelo's obviously way bigger. Trey's a younger dude, but they play a very similar game. And I think it's just going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I think Trey's going to have an awesome game tonight. And I'm curious to see if LaMelo steps up to that challenge. And if that happens, then you got yourselves a little little classic duel on our hands. Uh, Mike, I want to throw it over to you in the Western Conference. It sounds like you are going with the field uh, and not the Suns to go to the NBA Finals. What are you thinking right now? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, well, Phoenix, you know, Phoenix goes as far as Chris Paul takes them, obviously, right? So we'll we'll see how he holds up with the thumb because obviously playoff defense is a lot tougher. So you know people are going to be going after that thumb. Um, you know, they are the favorite to win it all. Uh, but, you know, I, for me, you know, Aaron kind of touched upon it, but it's Golden State, man. Um, mm. I, again, Steph, is he hurt? Uh, we'll see. Cause I kind of feel like the Steph and Draymond situation is kind of like those fake injuries where like, now we're, we're you know, we're going to list them as an ankle. We're going to list them as a back. We're going to list them as a whatever, but it's actually just to rest them for the playoffs. So we'll see if that's true. But given if that's true, I mean, I would never bet against a team that Steph Curry's on and much less, like I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, then you have Clay, uh, Clay who's finally kind of put it together this season since he's come back. And then the fact have, I don't, and I only have really been following him because he was on my fantasy team and propelled me to a championship. But have you guys been watching Jordan Poole? He has been, yeah, he's great, phenomenal. Yeah. 
phenomenal. So just in, in a weird way, kind of with all those guys kind of hurt all throughout the season, kind of really let him develop. And he's, I mean, I mean, he's, he's, he's amazing. I mean, he's like, it's fun to watch Jordan Poole play. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if we find out that those weren't necessarily quote unquote legitimate injuries in terms of what prevented Steph and Draymond kind of playing these last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm, I'll never bet against Golden State because you know if you know if Steph gets on a heater, it's done. It is done. Yeah, and I think we're kind of like we're kind of tiptoeing around something that makes the West probably really really interesting is that at, at any moment and it's already kind of happening an injury completely can take somebody off the board, right? Like, I, I still love the Phoenix Suns. I actually think that they're better this year than they were last year. You can look at, like, point differential, and it's almost like to the point where they're kicking teams' ass every night where it's, like, boring. It's just like, oh, you're just going to go in and get wiped by the Suns by, like, 18, 20 points, and then you can kind of just move on. Obviously, Bridges is, you know, taking his game to another level after getting paid. But, yeah, I was really excited to do some sort of fun dark house, uh, dark horse candidate. You know what I mean? Like, I really like the Mavericks. You know, I just thought, like, if there is a one-man wrecking crew that can kind of lead the charge, and that has sort of decent size enough to match up and not make it prohibitive against like a DeAndre Ayton, it would have been the Mavericks. And I love Memphis, but, you know, Jaws a little compromised for me. So I don't know exactly how I feel about that. But again, going back to the Suns, all it really takes is that Chris Paul injury, right? To kind of throw things into flux and can campaign step up one more time <laughs> and deliver. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's happening. I'm not buying the Jazz personally either. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just think it's the Suns. It's the Suns to lose this year. And it would be really interesting that if you do lose, I think the Luka thing screws the Mavericks completely. The Nuggets sure, are going to be sure. a tough out, but like, can how many games can Jokic literally carry one team on his back? And I think the supporting players in Dallas are better than they are in the Nuggets. So I don't really see that happening. I don't see it for the Jazz. And well, yeah, man, what if the Warriors, they'd have to have something kind of bounce their way a little bit right like someone maybe gets hurt or maybe they get the matchup that they want or they can actually maybe if they take on i don't know how it's going to work out but a compromise memphis or something like that somewhere down the road maybe that can get them pretty far and i don't know i think it's kind of interesting like and can we just like maybe we'll just finish it off this and i don't want this to be it's not critical because i actually i typically really like uh lebron james in the finals no, I, I, no. I do. No, no, I do. I, I really do. Like, I like I'm a guy that likes to see Tom Brady win Super Bowls. I think greatness is greatness. And the more great that you get, the better and more that I like to enjoy it. But I will say that this has actually been really refreshing. There is no LeBron James anywhere, even close or even sniffing any of this this season and it's just all about can Giannis repeat can the Suns finally do it and maybe some of these other candidates that are really fantastic basketball players getting a shot at winning the title I don't know like typically when a guy isn't in it anymore you're kind of like bored or maybe you're out of it or not as interested I'm as interested as ever to see who's going to be going to the finals and if it's Bucks Suns again I'm actually going to be really excited to see it again sometimes again when you get the sequel you're kind of bored with it or you've already seen it. And I don't feel like that's going to happen this year. Hags, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it is kind of cool just to see different people in there. However, like LeBron, of course, is, you know, he's the man uh, right now for sure. But like you touched on before, like Durant, I think is one of the best players. Embiid, Giannis, Jokic. Uh, so you got these other superstars in there as well. And 
I'm an NBA fan, man. So I'm just pumped to see anybody play, to be honest. But like, I see what you're saying about LeBron not being in there, but I don't really give a shit, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's just it's just this thing where like, I mean, it was it was LeBron, some version of LeBron or the Warriors for about right. four, five, six years. And look, I love Steph and I love Durant and I love LeBron. But after a while, you kind of keep seeing that over and over and over again, that same iteration. And to see it get mixed up a little bit last year, I know maybe people... I don't know, like, didn't really enjoy LeBron getting bounced in the first round. I kind of was, I thought it was great. And the fact that they lost 50 games this year on a Bulls podcast, by the way, needs to shut the door and put cement on it, super glue, and then another door over the whole, is he as good as MJ conversation? That's a GTFO if I've ever heard it before. Like, <laughs> he's not even with Kobe anymore, in my opinion, my personal opinion. Um, and so I don't know. I just, I, I find it. I think it's just really refreshing that maybe we don't have that number one alpha stud guaranteed to go to an NBA finals or make a lot of noise, but I still find it really exciting, Choi. No. Yeah. I mean, and again, there's superstars of plenty to go around. That's what, I mean, that's what gets teams in the playoffs, right? Especially in this era of NBA basketball. It's like you have to basically have a superstar more times than not to be in the playoffs. So there, there's no shortage of superstars. And, you know, obviously you guys know how I feel about the Lakers so that I've, I've actually relished the fact that like, <laughs> they've done so bad this season. So, you know, this is all, you know, LeBron is totally responsible for the demise of the Lakers. You know, you got, you know, he wanted Westbrook and now we find out that actually, you know, they could have got DeMar, but they opted to, at Westbrook because LeBron wanted it. Now he's firing coaches left and right. A coach who just won them an NBA championship two years ago. So it's like, I mean, you get what you get, you know? So um, yeah, I, I, I'm thoroughly thrilled that LeBron James is not in the NBA playoffs this year. Uh, final one before we get out of here. I'm going to put you boys on the spot here. Um, Higgs, yes. the, Bulls, the Bulls beat the Bucks in the first round. Uh, what would, what would you do if that happens? Is there something that you, that you'd be willing to, to promise us right now on the pod, uh, you'd be willing to do, uh, it can be shave your ass. It could be, uh, (laughs) well, luckily I'm not that hairy, so that won't even be an option, but I feel like we got to get some sort of like, like wager going or something like if the bulls beat the bucks. How do we like reward? How do you want to reward the three of us? And I'm not saying that you're paying. I'm just saying we have to do something special if the Bulls beat the Bucks, because that's there's not a single person in America right now that's saying that that's going to happen. Uh, pop a bag of cheese curds. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Cheese uh, curds and mezcal. Grill, grill up, grill up some brats and celebrate. Um, let's see. I don't know. What do they got up in Wisconsin that we can? Joy, what would you be cheese, willing to do? Cheese and milk. Yeah, nipple piercing or like I will I mean, comp Dodger tickets against the Milwaukee uh Brewers when they come into town. How about that? Oh, that's actually pretty fun. And we wear Bulls gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah, yeah. So anybody who wants uh free Brewers tickets, uh, you can hit me up if we beat <laughs> if we beat Milwaukee. But uh real quick, you kind of mentioned I I've been wanting to say this. So once again, you know, because you talked about the inner turmoil on Miami. Once again, Jimmy Butler proves as amazing as he is on the court that he is a cancer to any team he is on. You know, challenging your head coach to a fight. And I will say this. I will say this. In the middle of a game in a huddle, yeah. not even like at practice. But here's what's awesome. This is what affirms in my mind. Udonis Haslam must be a badass. Because as soon as Udonis was like, 
you fight me, you fight Billy. Jimmy was just like, didn't even look at Udonis, you know? So it's just like this crazy thing where like, yeah, yeah, he, 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 Udonis must be a badass if even Butler is as mouthy as he is, like didn't say a word during or after the fact about Udonis. So yeah, if you, to, if you talk to Miami Heat fans, Udonis Haslam is perhaps one of, if not, I don't, I don't know if he's the most respected because he got Wade and Zoe and all that other stuff, but he's, he's right up there, man. He's literally like, if Joe Keem stayed on the Bulls and is still on the Bulls, you know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. he only plays a couple mm-hmm. minutes a night, but he's like this, this soul, this voice of reason, the spine. He's like all of it wrapped into one on that team. Haslam means a ton to the Heat organization. And I mean, Mike, I'm just going to say it, man. I think you just said Gar Foreman did the right thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we won that trade, you know, because we did. We won that marketing. Marketing's getting blown. Pat, he's getting completely ripped to shreds last night. Uh, Chris Dunn didn't work out, but Zach Levine is an all-star who are about to give a max contract. And Jimmy actually likes being here. Yeah, Yeah. and Jimmy Butler didn't stay in Minnesota longer than a year. So I mean, we the trade with Minnesota, we won that trade a hundred percent, hundred percent. You heard it here first. Gar Foreman was right right here. On, uh, <laughs> That's the last time you'll ever hear that, too. Yeah, that is the last time. And hopefully we'll be coming back talking about more Bulls basketball. They're going to play the Bucks, the, the reigning NBA champions, with Giannis Antetokounmpo and many, many others on that team. It's going to be very tough, but we're going to be there cheering them on right away because we haven't seen playoff games in a long time. Uh, I want to thank my Hoops Honchos for coming on the panel today. Mr. Mike Choi, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Go Bulls, go Bulls. Aaron Hagel, they might have to call you to pick up a couple fouls against Giannis. Uh, Are you going to be ready to play? Thanks for coming on the pod. Throw me in, coach. I'm ready. And a quick foul from Hagel here. He's got his (laughs) hand extended extended in the air, patting his chest, saying, that's me, that's me, that's me. Uh, This episode of Bet on Chicago is presented by who else? BetOnline.ag. Promo code believe B L E A V when you go to the website or go on your mobile device, you'll get a fifty percent discount on your first deposit. So make sure you check that out, especially with all the NBA playoffs action coming up. Baseball's in full swing is a perfect time to head over to BetOnline.ag. Thank you so much for checking out this show. You can follow me at Joey Sports Guy on Instagram and Twitter. We got plenty more pods coming rest of this week and next week too as well. So make sure you check that out. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other, and remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.